0: So welcome everybody to our vital conversations with Teleosis Institute. And I'm happy um, to welcome as our guest tonight, Jeremy, Jeremy Yost, um, who's a certified somatic breath therapist, founder and director of the Power of the Breath Institute, offered New Hampshire. Um, over the last 30 years, Jeremy has logged in over 6,000 client sessions and those translated about two hours a piece. That's over twelve thousand hours of doing this work and helping people. So, if you're interested in um, somatic breath therapy or just breath work in general, um, you've come to the right place tonight. So, I'm really happy um, to be able to introduce Jeremy. And uh, just just begin by saying, you know, Jeremy, what what led you Uh, to pursue this particular direction. Mm.
1: Well, let me take a deep breath and think about that, Reggie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I suppose the short answer is, um, for what I often say to people, is I grew up in a household where my father was slowly dying of emphysema. And uh, watching him, you know, Slowly drown, if you will, and my grandfather died of emphysema i 'm the breath guy that 's kind of the short and quick answer. Um, I think that the slightly longer answer is that i 've been on a path of self improvement and fascinated with you know what makes people tick and how do they work, and you know how do we uh, heal um, from our past, ancestrally, personally. And um, it led me to, uh, well, I'm Jeremy, I'm a workshop a <laughs> It led me to a lot of workshops in the 70s, 80s. And then in the 90s, it kind of all came together when I, uh, actually in 1989, when I did my first uh, rebirthing breathwork uh, experience in Florida. Um, it was uh, designed to swim with the dolphins and then go and have a rebirthing experience in the Konakai Resort there in Key Largo, and the the idea of swimming with the dolphins is that they're conscious breathers, and every breath that they take is a is a choice to breathe. They don't have an autonomic respiratory function like we do, and um, when I really got to understand uh, dolphins and the species, realizing that they spend most of their time in play uh, and having fun and 15% of their time in survival and they don't have opposable thumbs or the internet, I was like, huh, they got something going on that I'd like to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that led me to the journey of going in deeply to use breath primarily as to to work on my own sort of deeper issues um, subconscious issues and then to provide it to others because i found that it was one of the most powerful and effective tools um, to work with a person in terms of their you know trauma history or their past uh, especially in a way that didn't just involve the conscious mind and that was what excited me about it the most and the fact that you're doing the breathing that I'm more of a midwife in the process of supporting you on your journey um, rather than just applying a tool that uh, you know you have to pay me the big bucks to use and what I was saying to Reggie before when we were speaking is that you know what I say to my clients is if I'm good, I work myself out of a job with everyone I meet. In other words, the foundation of this work is really for me it, it sort of captured in the, in the word empowerment, that what I really loved about it was uh, it's focused on health and empowerment, and if I'm good, I teach you the tool, and you take it into your life and use it as you see fit.
0: Yeah, th- thank you for that. And I, I love the idea of, uh, you know, building planned obsolescence into what you do. Because I know in, in, in yeah. my coaching practice that's the goal also. So yeah. I don't want anybody to yeah. be dependent on me. So that so I love that. And and one other thing, I was looking over um some of the materials on your, yeah. on your website. There's I, I mean I want to, to to step back in in a couple of minutes and just allow you to Engage with some background and some exercises okay. for us, because I think yep. people on the call would really appreciate that. Yeah. But uh, there was one thing that really that I really liked a lot. i was going to read it as it's as it's written here, and I'd just love to hear your your take on it. Okay. Um, it says, uh, you know, somatic breath therapy is unique because it can be delivered using touch or not, depending on the client, provider, and situation. And then this is the part I really love, though even though we 're all breathing, we all breathe. Um, it uses a one size does not fit all <laughs> approach, and that 's what I believe in terms of education and coaching right as well so i would just i 'd love to hear you just to speak to that a, a little bit about the what even though we 're all inhaling and exhaling as best we can, um, what about it is not a one size does not fit all mm-hmm. well
1: uh, yeah, thank you yeah it's you know and, and anybody who's done um, any kind of somatic work uh, working with people 's bodies as part of a therapeutic process comes to realize that immediately that how we um, function our consciousness our unique sort of orientation to life our upbringing and the various things that you know are meaningful to us is everyone else that you know the paradox of healing is that there's nothing to heal and there's everything to heal that at some deep level there's a you know there's a a part of us that I think already knows what's really going on um, and it becomes sort of the journey of remembering what we really know perhaps like in our in our hearts at the soul level and Yet, how we function in the world—cognitively, emotionally, physically, spiritually—is unique to us. And how a person, um, therefore, um, their view of themselves, their view and beliefs around, you know, therapy in general, and um, not to mention the one of the most important parts for me in way is the, the therapeutic relationship—that it's unique. And it's and it's different. So, um, to me, that exciting part is sitting down with a person and uh, you know saying hi. Um, who are you? <laughs> How you know? What's your story? Why are you here? And let's see if we can you know move around and adjust this tool in a way that works for you in your life. Uh, Most of us don't have the opportunity to just go to uh, you know some shaman in the Sierra Madres in Mexico and spend two weeks on a deep healing journey uh, and then come back and try to figure out our lives from there. Most of the people that come to me are squeezing in the appointment between, uh, you know, dinner for the, the, the husband or wife and the kids and going to work and everything else. So one of the, you know, besides uh, this idea that my goal is to empower you to um, live the life that you came here to live, it's also to, in doing this therapeutic process, it's to work in such a way that you can integrate the journey into your daily life Uh, and you know we're I don't see a lot of people hanging out on porches watching the world go by very often (laughs) and uh, so we have to be really direct and relevant and specific and adapt uh, my experience uh, with what's showing up in front of me
0: okay yeah Yeah. thank you for that and so, so with that, and at the risk, and I'm, I wouldn't dare to ask you to, you know, pretend we're going to re- reduce what you do, you know, in the next uh, forty minutes to, um, you know, giving us a, a somatic breath therapy um, uh, session. But what, what can we do, you know, both in terms of some of the nuts and bolts behind it, and experientially, you know, with this group, in, you know, over the next half hour to forty minutes. Um, okay. that we could take away an experiential taste of what we're talking about. Okay. So let,
1: that's a, a great goal. And um, yes, by, by all means, the, the breath has so many different levels of engagement that, for example, one of the first techniques that I teach, as well as hundreds of other people, thousands, I think, in the world, is mindfulness, which is the ability to direct our conscious focal attention onto something that is other than our negativity bias of thinking, where the brain goes in terms of comparison and you know, causality and you know, confirming our existence. So mindfulness is actually uh, not only an awareness tool, but especially when we use it to redirect our attention to our breathing, it focuses our energy on our bodies, on ourselves. And what we know uh, from lots of different angles is what we put our attention on grows. So what I would like to do is um, to teach a few simple exercises that you can take home with you right away and you can practice and play with this, these tools and see what happens when you get familiar with them. Um, the first and most important thing about breathing is just being aware. Being conscious of whether you're breathing or not. Now, most of us um, are breathing because in five minutes uh, we'd be calling nine one one if you weren't. <laughs> so, and we take our breath for granted. I certainly did um, when I was uh, doing all of these various workshops. Some of them involved, were you know, breath techniques, but. Uh, most of them, most, and this is one of my uh, sort of goals today in bringing breathwork into the, what I call 21st century breathwork into the psychotherapy world, is how many people and how many teachers say, okay, Reggie, take a deep breath. And yet, how many of those people know what a deep or an open healthy breath looks like? Very few. Um, I remember a few years ago, um, and we're going to practice this in just a moment, but I'm going to teach you what an open, healthy breath is. Um, A few years ago, uh, I'm an identical twin. I believe it or not, there's two of me on the planet. Well, at least we look alike. Mm -hmm. And when my brother got around to uh, finally asking me, hey, you know, dude, what do you do? You know, what is it you do anyway? He's a scientist, he's an eco-scientist. And he's, uh, you know, he's got the brain matter to to back it up. And I said, well, uh, I teach people to breathe and, and feel better about themselves. And he goes, really, like what? And I said, well, take a deep breath. And uh, I'm just gonna pull back a little bit so that you can see this um, a little bit. And he went <sighs> like that, just <sighs> deep breath raising the shoulders exactly what we watched our father do in high school you know when he was suffering from emphysema (laughs) in that one moment i said that's exactly what i teach did you know that your breath the human respiration is designed to be two-thirds in the belly and one-third in the chest not two-thirds in the chest in very little diaphragmatic use the diaphragm is the muscle in the body that lives right underneath your rib cage. Okay, so we're moving now towards the first exercise, but I want you to be able to approximate an open healthy breath before we do this exercise. So if you take your fingers gently underneath your ribs, um, and don't press too hard, but just kind of go underneath the ribs here, and maybe in the center point, just push in slightly, and then imagine that you're blowing out a birthday cake with lots of candles, like something that Reggie and I have, you know, lots of candles on our birthday cakes, okay? So you're gonna go like this, all right? So blow as hard as you can and see what happens to your fingers when they're after pushing them into your belly. You should feel your fingers pop out. Do you feel that? Yeah. Okay, um, that's a combination of the use of the diaphragmatic muscle, uh, which is this two-lobed kind of parachute-shaped muscle that's attached to the lower ribs and then to the, the lumbar part region of the spine, L1, 2 and 3 The diaphragm basically operates like one of those French coffee presses. It just pushes down and it flexes back up. It pushes down and up. The secondary impact of that is it pushes the organs down to the pelvic floor. It they Because there's nowhere else to go, it pushes the, let me give you this, uh, so it pushes down towards the pelvic floor, it pushes out, and then it kind of rolls up. So a full diaphragmatic breath is contracting the diaphragm so that it, basically just pushes down the inch or inch and a half towards the pelvic floor, the organs go down, out and up. That comprises about two thirds of the overall respiratory movement. One third is where the rib cage takes over, the intercostal muscles, the pectoral muscles, scalenes, trapezoids, there's about 12 different muscles that then expand the ribs and slight clavicular lift. In respiratory physiology, about 70% is diaphragmatic, 25% is thoracic, and 5% is clavicular. I say about two-thirds, one-third. And the reason why that's so important is because the diaphragm is a muscle that's designed by nature to go all the time. Whether you're naughty or nice, whether you're conscious or unconscious, your body is designed to breathe to create oxygen and you know gas exchange and to create homeostasis or balance in the body. That in an open, healthy breath, as I said, two-thirds is approximately in the belly, one-third in the chest. Now, the breath also, as it sort of rises like a wave up the torso up into your chest, there's no pause or hold at the top, it just kind of curves into a smooth transition of relaxing, which is a really critical component to somatic breath therapy, relaxing the exhale. Okay, so you're not blowing or like this, or the most common thing that people do is breathing about 20, maybe 25% of the respiratory capacity. The diaphragm assures that There is a vacuum created in your chest, okay? So the diaphragm pushes down, creates a vacuum in the thoracic cavity, air rushes into your lungs. And the movement is not only just perfectly designed to, for the minimal output, to get the maximum vacuum and air into your chest, but the recoil of the diaphragm pulses, I call it pulses, but it, it pushes up on the pericardium muscle one of the first research um, that researches that i came across with conscious breathing is that people with heart disease uh, you know a genetic predisposition for heart disease control group were just observed the other group was taught diaphragmatic breathing it was like a 12 or 15 year study I- breathing they reduced their risk of heart disease by a little over a little more than fifty percent, which is you know in in science a huge number, meaning that just teaching someone to be conscious of and breathing with their diaphragm instead of just lifting their chest like this has a really tremendous benefit for the heart, and we know that the heart is It's kind of a vital organ in the body, so we wanna keep it as healthy as possible. When you breathe, uh, as the air comes in and there's a smooth transition to the exhale, the other component is, are you able to relax on the exhale? Most people, I would say probably one of the longest term things that I have to work with with people is learning how to let go and let gravity. Okay, that the the muscles are designed in such a way that when you release the contraction, there's a normal recoil of the diaphragm and a relaxation of all these other respiratory muscles so the air just goes out by itself, especially when you're vertical, sitting up or walking. It goes out a little slower when you're laying down. Then there's a natural pause at the bottom of the breath, which. I could probably talk all night about the sort of the meaning of the pause at the bottom, but there's a natural pause that regulates or is regulated by the primary um, part of our neurophysiology that regulates respiration, the medulla obligata, which is in the brainstem, and it's monitoring uh, the pH or acid base level of the blood. An average pH in the blood is 7.4. When you get a little bit acidic, 7.3, 7.2, the medulla says slow down respiration. When you get a little basic, or no, speed up respiration, when you get a little basic, it says slow down respiration. Okay, this is a very, very narrow band, a very sensitive measurement because if you were to get to 7.0 or 7.9, you'd be dead. Okay, so the medulla's job, and there are are three or four other respiratory-related registers in the body, but the main one is this, is to to maintain a certain level of pH. That, in turn, maintains a balance. The, The breath coming in and going out maintains a balance between the two main branches of the nervous system. The gas, the step on the gas, the fight or flight, which is sympathetic and the rest and digest branch, the parasympathetic. Because we're in a culture that's requiring more and more attention, more and more uh, adrenal stress, uh, more and more uh, being present and making quick decisions, we tend to, like Dr. Andrew Weil talks about, we tend to run on the sympathetic dominant side. He would call it uh, overstimulated sympathetic tone. So what we generally are doing, we're not relaxing, we're really stressed, we're excreting excessive levels of cortisol and epinephrine in, in the blood, and so we're in this kind of state of, you know, arousal and caution and fight or flight most of the time. What breath does, when you breathe diaphragmatically especially, there's a cluster of the parasympathetic nervous system called the vagus nerve that's in your belly. When you breathe diaphragmatically, you're literally stimulating that cluster. It's an ancient mammalian cluster that it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but stimulating the parasympathetic system allows you to readjust and relax, come back to more of a state of relaxation and harmony. So the breath in the body, the respiratory system in the body is designed to maintain this balance of sympathetic and parasympathetic. And the more you are able to breathe fully, to breathe relaxed, and breathe with your diaphragm, the healthier your body is gonna become. Okay, so we're gonna try this exercise I call the reset breath, to give you a little idea of just the the power of breath. And I'm gonna have you make sure that your feet are on the floor, unless you're sitting in a, you know, like Reggie in a full lotus position. <laughs> uh, your feet are on the floor.
0: Any chance of that ended decades ago.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> I hear you, brother. <laughs> and, um, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna take 10 uh, full deep breaths in the nose and out the mouth. And you could do this if you tend to be a little, um, so if you're, if you're kind of tired right now or a little hypoglycemic or something, you breathe in and out of your nose. If you want the full experience, breathe in and out of your mouth. Otherwise, breathe in your nose, out your mouth. And I don't want to go into why that's important, but let's just say the more air that you move in your lungs, the more energy you have at your disposal. So much so that 70% of your life force energy comes from the air that you breathe, not from the food that you eat, okay? All right, so we're gonna take 10 breaths, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna count it off and say hold one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then you're going to release. I'm gonna have you place your arms, one hand on the chest, one hand on the lower belly, so you can sort of monitor Um, what's happening with your torso when you breathe. And then when I have you exhale, just relax your arms, relax your body, sit back, and just witness, okay? You may feel a little dizzy, a little lightheaded, or a little, you know, tingly or whatever, which is why it's very important for you not to be operating a front-end loader or driving a car, (laughs) okay? Really important. No heavy equipment tonight. All right so are we good to we good to go we good to try this out yes all right so we're going to start with uh inhale and then i'm just going to say relax the exhale and just let it go don't force it don't blow it just let it drop out and i'll try to get a rhythm going that you know incorporates everybody okay we you ready yep. all right and begin breathe in the nose let it go Breathe in. Let it go, good, again. Beautiful, belly to chest. Relax. That's four, again. Let go of the tension, breathing in. That's six, again. Let the tension go. One more. Relax. Let it go out. Breathe in again. Full deep breath and relax. Good. Two more. One more in and out. Full breath in and hold it at the top. Oh. Five, six, seven, relax. Relax your arms, your shoulders. Let the breath normalize. Good, and just witness. Yeah. How'd that feel, Reggie?
0: Yeah, real good. I got I got the tingles in both arms, and I uh, was just really relaxing. Yeah. Um, head to toe, I could feel it. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Good. Did uh, thumbs up? Did it work for other people? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you practice good, all three out of three, if you practice this, you're going to get better at it. As you practice breathing a deep, full breath again, rising from the belly, rising all the way up to your lungs not forcing it, but sort of inviting the swelling of the balloon, and then just surrender. The more you practice this, the better you're gonna get. And the more effect you're gonna have. Again, the more air, the more energy, the more effect. The reset breath is something that I do quite frequently during the day. I don't think you can do it too much. I haven't lost anybody through doing this exercise so far. And yet, be careful if you're going to do it standing up or, you know, in an, you know, I wouldn't do it like when enjoying a beautiful view at the edge of a cliff, for example. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I wouldn't do that. Okay. Not good for your health. I speak from personal experience, okay, when I did this. Like when I went to Santa Fe to visit my mom, it was 7,000 feet. I thought, oh, great, I'm just going to do this, you know, reset, Fred. And I didn't factor in the 7,000 feet altitude thing. The next thing you know, there's somebody on the ground moving his jaw, making moaning sounds. And I was like, oh, that's me. (laughs) <laughs> okay so you want to you know kind of be in a place where if you do get dizzy you can just sit back or let yourself put your head between your knees which is we know a way to bring blood back into the head what's happening in that is a combination of your you're slightly it's like pulling the bow back a little bit you're slightly lowering the co2 creating a slight alkalinity. energy you're stimulating the vagus nerve and then you're creating this oxygen rich pulse of blood that when you release goes right up into your brain. Um, the um, things I came across once uh, is people who have uh, brain dysfunction, you know, handicap. Um, they use this breath suspension, they call it a breath holding exercise to increase or stimulate brain regeneration, neuron regeneration. And, uh, you know, so I think there's a lot to it. Anyway, that's the reset breath.
0: Any question, uh, Reggie, or? Actually, actually, what I think I'd like to do now, and not, not to bring what you're doing to an end, but because I think that was a worthwhile experience for, for most folks, yeah. um, if, if anyone does have a question now, yeah. um, we'll just pause for a moment. If you have a question, just raise your hand um, using the, uh, you have to you know, put your cursor down there on the participants tab um and you'll be able to raise your hand and, and i will see it so okay. I'll, just, I'll just pause for a moment now and uh, if anybody has a question now would be a good time to to ask if not um i'm gonna i'm gonna set jeremy loose again and we'll see what comes next. <laughs> okay um, just right. so right now there's nobody asking a question is that true you have a 30-year veteran of of here work <laughs> who's giving us his time tonight you have no questions
1: right. no worries
0: okay.
1: we'll uh, there'll be some more information and i'm sure there'll be some questions later um Thank you. So the you know the probably the if there was one or two things that i would say i would if i could wave a wand and have you go home with tonight is one consider embracing and coming to a, a healthy relationship with your diaphragm, okay? And you don't have to just be a singer to have a good diaphragmatic relationship. The diaphragm is, as Dennis Lewis, um, one of my colleagues who wrote The Tao of Natural Breathing, he also wrote uh, Free Your Breath, Free Your Life. He, he proposes that the diaphragm is one of the most spiritual muscles in the body. Now, the the beautiful gift of the diaphragm is that we don't have proprioceptive nerve endings or sense of where the diaphragm is, which is, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But what that means is, if I were to say, um, hey, uh, put your hand to your forehead, you could do it. But if I were to say, okay, extend your diaphragm about 30% in your belly, (laughs) you'd be like, what? You don't have the nerve endings to actually know where your diaphragm is. So, what, what? One of the challenges of doing of teaching people not only how to breathe, how to breathe therapeutically, but how to breathe diaphragmatically, is I have to teach them to learn to feel the surrounding tissues. And one of the the main ways is, and this goes counter to our culture, I think. Is Right. So if you think about that, you know, as men, when we were growing up anyway, abs of steel, six pack abs, this kind of thing, you know, or, um, you know, flat belly, um, you know, and Kristen Northrop talks about this. I remember this years ago in a video, she said, women, let your bellies hang out. It's really important to breathe diaphragmatically because when you sock in your belly and keep it flat, you're limiting the amount of room the diaphragm has to contract and to bring in air into your body. Another important um, reason is that about another 70% number, about 70% of are the waste products of the body if you consider a CO2 a waste product, and that's that's a stretch for some doctors, but about 70% is of uh, waste products goes out the exhale. 20% in the skin, 10% in urine and feces. So, if you're only breathing 20 or 25% of your respiratory capacity, what does that say about your energy and the toxins you're holding on to? So, full deep breathing, which really you only can do that when you engage the diaphragm to take a, a full deep breath um, gives you more energy and it helps you process uh physiological waste products and even emotional How many of us know when we're stressed we just ah, like that take a deep breath so awareness of the diaphragm awareness of your breath, just taking a few deep breaths every now and then, and this reset breath exercise, I can tell you if you were to practice these things, like, you know, uh, put a post-it note on your mirror tonight that just says, breathe, okay? (laughs) Or put it on your dashboard, you know, breathe. Or, you know, send in a letter to the state of Connecticut and ask for a breathe license plate or something. (laughs) I mean, you know, anything to remind you to breathe is gonna be really, really beneficial. Okay, that's number one. The um, Okay, the, so we've done some of the basic respiratory physiology. Um, let me just read something here. Because another very important part about the breath is that <clears throat> how a body breathes generally reflects how a person lives. When you begin to explore um, this invisible thing, this thing that we all do but don't think much about, breathing, what you begin to realize is that the breath, you know, why isn't the breath open and healthy like it is in my two-year-old grandson or even my three-month-old grandson? You know, why is it that when I look at that little three-month-old baby breathing, it's like his big toe breathes. <laughs> I mean, you know, the back of his head breathes. I mean, everything in his body is moving in terms of respiration, right? And moms, you probably know this, right? What happens? Well, this is what we do over time is we shut down the breath to handle stress, to handle trauma, overwhelming experience to the neurological system. Uh, if Somebody, um, you know, we hear uh, uh, outside the campsite, we hear uh, branches go snap, crackle, and pop. We stop breathing. It's a biological response. Your dogs, your cats, all animals, we stop our respiration and heighten our sensory organs to perceive potential threat or danger. Most of us have had, let's just say, there's a good chance most of us have had overwhelming experience growing up. Um, And so what happens is we shut down the breath to sort of manage that overwhelming experience. However, if we don't have safety or encouragement or presence, let's say from mom or dad or a brother or sister or a friend even, after that experience, we don't fully breathe and integrate the threat that we perceived. Over time, this causes what we call a suppression of the respiratory system. Over time, and especially in this current culture, what happens is we shut down the breath and we don't reclaim the breath that was so-called lost because of the event. Especially in houses with alcoholism or abuse or threat or any number of situations, right? So um, what I'm working with most of the time is when I help a person open up their breath, they begin to re-experience what they've suppressed in their subconscious body-mind. And that's a, a longer conversation, but I just wanted to point to this idea that when you look at the respiration in a person, the current amount of movement of uninhibited breathing within a person's body, consciously or subconsciously, is a reflection of the current level of natural living or uninhibited response in a person's life. In other words, the more a person's respiration has been opened up, the more resiliency is available. The better they can handle stress, live with presence, and feel a sense of belonging in their lives. There seems to be a direct relationship between the way the breath moves in the body and the way a person moves in their life, okay? This is one of the, what I call the principles of somatic breath therapy. Now here's one more that I wanna use to take into the next place before I teach the, the coherent breathing technique. Breath follows awareness and awareness follows breath. There seems to be this sort of reciprocal relationship between breath and awareness. The movement of the human respiratory system in the body acts like an energy awareness pump in the body. It's as if you're saying with each breath, here, now, here, now, Conscious breathing inspires a process within which wherever you focus awareness in the body, breath energy will go, and wherever you focus breath energy in the body, awareness will follow. Okay? And this, is, this points to this idea that also toward the therapeutic aspect of breath, is that when we breathe, we're not only bringing in oxygen, air and oxygen, breath is our most immediate access to qi or prana and I think most people are familiar enough to know that what qi or qi or prana is we've heard about qigong and you know, there are various different words for uh, Prana and in fact a lot of the words for breath also means prana and or spirit is another one so when we are doing this therapeutic breath where we're closing the gap at the bottom of the breath and i'll talk about that more later perhaps Um, what we're doing is we're bringing in an elevated uh, level of chi into the body and this chi is like this you know it's this pure life force energy and it what comes with it is more awareness so if i were to say for example um think about your big toe on your left foot and you were just sitting here and you're like okay i'm gonna think about my big toe on my left foot like all right not too uh you know not too much going on there i think it's still attached to my foot um you know i didn't stub it recently so it, it seems to be fine and healthy But if I were to take you into a somatic breath therapy session and have you breathe for three to five minutes where we activate or elevate the level of chi in your body and I were to say, okay, think about your, you know, put your attention on your, your left toe. There's a really good chance that you're gonna have a different quality of awareness about that body part. And it works with almost any body part. If you endorse and understand this idea from the health and reclaiming health perspective, that the body remembers everything, and we the body has a tendency, or the ego mind has a tendency to suppress painful experience, traumatic experience, or just difficult experience in the body, where do you think that goes? Where does that memory go? And do we have access to it? Uh, Without going into a, you know, some of the other long-term points here, what I want to suggest is, is that when you consciously breathe in a way that raises the chi in the body, you have conscious access to what has previously been held subconsciously. And, you know, the research eventually will be done on this, I think, but, you know, from in I'm actually now even pushing 7,000 sessions, Reggie, you know, what I what the breath has taught me just in observing how it moves in the body, how to use it therapeutically, what the breath has taught me is that the body does in fact remember everything and that the issue is not whether or not we've suppressed you know or the you know can't remember the operation where we went under general anesthesia or the memory from childhood that maybe we don't have any idea about it's how do we access it and using the breath consciously in this therapeutic way gives us this this window into what's left still suppressed and out of balance now i don't believe that doing this breath uh, engages some kind of you know extraterrestrial technique or some kind of you know thing that 's unusual. the body knows how to release suppression. The body knows how to create homeostasis, but few people are given the space and the safe relational container to be able to go on such a journey and The key at the at the end of the day is when you feel when you begin to feel something coming up and let's say somebody triggers you, breathe. Keep the breath gentle and connected because that connected breath, when you're feeling sort of out of control or anxious or whatever it is that you're feeling, that helps the body integrate at a very deep and profound neurological level. I think if it wasn't for some of the neuroscience research in the last decade, uh, I probably wouldn't even be on this call or talking to people because I kind of gave up with the world of psychotherapy, you know, a few decades ago. I'm like, you know what? I found something that really works, that's really powerful, really effective, and it's empowering. Uh, but I'm not going to wait for science to prove that, it's, that it works. <laughs> okay.
0: well, but I'm, a little... I'm glad you didn't wait. So, so Joey, I want to jump yeah, in for a, ahead, ahead. a moment yeah um, we're coming up near the top of the hour i want to respect your time but by okay. no means what but yep. by no means i do i want to cut you off yeah um so we are recording this okay. um what what what's the re- because we can go a little bit over i mean that's okay. that, that's fine um but i just want to make sure you're okay with that because yep. um so uh, you, you did mention the coherent breath exercise right. okay um
1: beautiful let's do that now yeah. Thank you. Thank you for keeping me on track. Uh, what can I say? My mother gave me the gift of gab. Yeah, well, I, I actually
0: I understand how that works. So. Yeah.
1: And I'm really passionate about this work. And, you know, the breath touches so many things that... All right. Coherent breathing is something that also has been around for probably thousands of years. Um, and it's sort of emerged into the Western world Uh, probably in the the end of the 20th century, where um, some research was done to determine that breathing uh, six breaths a minute, which is 10 seconds per breath, five seconds in, five seconds out, has a very calming and balancing effect on the body. Since that time, um, and this, there's a fellow Dr. David O'Hare in Montreal who wrote a book, 365, where he strongly, as a medical doctor, strongly encourages you to breathe this kind of breath three times a day, five minutes each time, at six breaths a minute. Now, since that time, um, the HeartMath people uh, from the Doc Childra, uh, you know, where he founded the Hard Math Institute, um, and this fellow Stephen Elliott, who has CoherentBreathing.com, and there are others, but have came across a very similar thing, but they found that six breaths a minute, or uh five breaths a minute, sorry, six seconds in, six seconds out. Um my feeling is that depending on your body size, your body type, that it's gonna be somewhere between five and six seconds. In, five and six seconds out. So this is a connected nostril breathing exercise. And just to give you a very quick background, um, according to Stephen Elliott and others, there was a fellow Antonio Valsalva who determined in the 17th century that when we breathe in, the blood tends to rush towards the heart more and the heart rate increases. And when we breathe out, the emphasis of the blood goes to the extremities, carrying the oxygen-rich blood to the extremities, and their heart rate slows down. Now, this is a physiological fact. When you breathe in, the heart increases a little bit in speed, and when you breathe out, it decreases and its ability to change nanosecond to nanosecond is what they call heart rate variability, which now is one of these beautiful uh, things that crosses the, the bridge between physics and metaphysics and points to a way to measure our health, okay. Coherent breathing, which is a slow inhale, six, five or six seconds in, and a slow exhale five or six seconds out is probably the most important breath exercise that that we can do as humans right now. I mean, I think we should teach it in kindergarten, in elementary school, and so forth, because what it does is it helps to align the heart function with the respiratory function, such that when you, after three to five minutes of doing this coherent breathing, and it's a, a connected breath, there's no pause at the bottom. When in three to five minutes, what starts to happen is a number of wonderful things. When the inhale comes in, the, uh, the, the respiration increases right at the top of the inhale, and the exhale goes out, it goes to its slow rate at the bottom of the exhale. Meaning that it isn't just kind of all over the place. The, the actual increase and decrease of the heart rate starts to fall into this every six, five or six second pattern. The brainwave pattern starts to come into line or coherence. If So if you wanna look more at the research, go to coherentbreathing.com, Stephen Elliott, and you'll see a lot of this stuff. He's kinda taken it to, uh, you know, he's got machines to help you measure it, and it's, it's really, um, I think it's really an important thing. So one of the ways that helps to regulate the inhale with the exhale is, uh, for those of you who have done yoga, is what they call resistance breathing or ujjaya breath. So it sounds a little bit like an ocean wave Now we're going to be doing it in and out of the nose. So it sounds a little bit like this. And all i'm doing is closing the glottis ever so slightly now if you can't do that you can use your lips to to regulate the flow of air coming in and out but i think with a little practice again this exercise takes some practice you'll find that Most of the positive benefits of simple breath exercises, unless you're doing a yoga class with various different pranayams, this exercise is going to have the most bang for the buck. Okay? What I'm going to do is I'm just going to count out the seconds and guide you on the inhale and the exhale. I'm kind of going to go right, right, go for the gusto here. Um, I would probably, if you were a client, start by having you do four seconds in and out and then five seconds in and out and then six seconds in and out see how well you can do with the six seconds in and out and i will guide you we're going to go to three or four minutes so we won't take up too much time and just notice how you're feeling right now I've been uh, downloading a lot of information, so your left brain is probably all lit up. And now we're gonna t- attend to the right brain a little bit and give your, your body a chance to integrate. Okay, any questions, Reggie, or are we good to go?
0: I'm good to go. Anybody else have a question before we begin?
1: All right, <clears throat> good. So again, feet on the floor, and I'm just gonna start counting and then join me as you can. All right. It might take a little bit of practice to to figure out, you know, how to slow down the inhale or how to extend the exhale. But um, let's just dive in and try it. Okay. So we'll take a breath in and out just to normalize. Okay. And breathing in, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale two, three. Four five six breathing in two three four five six exhale two three four five six breathing in two three fill your lungs exhale two three relax the breath inhale two Three, four, five, six. Exhale. Two, three, four, five, and six. Good. Inhale. Two, three, four, five, six. Exhale. Let it go. Three, four, five, and six. Inhale. Two, three. Full breath in. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Good. Inhale, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale, two, three, four. Let it go. Good. Inhale, two, three, four, five, six. And exhale, two, three, four, five, that's a minute and inhale two, three, four, five, six, exhale two, three, four, let it go. Good. inhale two, three, four, five, and six. exhale two, three, four, Feel the relaxation. Inhale, two, three, four. Fill your chest. Exhale, two, three, four. Let it go. Good inhale, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale, two, three, four. Five, that's two minutes, good. Inhale, two, three, four, five, six, and exhale. Release, three, four, five, and six. Keep going, inhale, two, three, four, five, and six. Good, exhale, two, three, four, let go of all the tension. Inhale, two, three, four. Fill your lungs. Exhale, two, three, four, five, and six. Good, inhale, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale, two, three, four. Let it go, three more. Inhale two, three, four, five, six. Exhale two, three, four, five, and six. Keep going. Inhale two, three, four, five, six. Exhale two, three, four, five, and six. One more. Inhale two, three, four five and six, and exhale, two, three, four, let it go, release. Just witness, normalize the breath. Beautiful. Beautiful. How you feeling there?
0: <laughs> really relaxed, and, and thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, that was that was quite wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah. This is a breath you can also use to help you fall asleep at night. Um, I find that the other helpful thing is if you get to know kind of your resting heart rate. Like my resting heart rate after I go to bed is usually around 70, 72. So if I count six hearts or seven heartbeats in, that's about six seconds. Okay. And then seven heartbeats out because it's easy to kind of feel the heart once you stop moving. And it's amazing because what happens is the left and right brain starts to come into resonance. Uh, alpha Brainwave pattern is engaged more fully, and it can be, a you know, like a launching pad for going to sleep or going back to sleep if you wake up.
0: Yeah, so great. so great. I And mean, I appreciate the, a lot of the, well, I, I appreciate all of what you shared, but I appreciate both the, the, the mix of both the, the, the science behind it. And also that both the reset breath and the coherent breathing. What I'd like to do is, anybody yep. before we begin to bring this to a close, and we really do need to begin that now. Yeah. Does anybody have a question or a comment for Jeremy based on the exercises we've done? Please just raise your hand now because this is um, okay. So Lois, um, go ahead. You're you're on the air. Hey. Okay.
1: I'm curious is when you're talking about working with the client and you're doing these breath exercises and this release of
2: suppressed memory, Okay. are you letting the energy
1: do the work or is there anything um, like verbal or cognitive that goes on along with it? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, yes. Both, (laughs) all the above, Um, depending on, you know, there's lots of different factors, but let's just say bell-shaped curve. Someone comes in because they're anxious, uh, they're not feeling fulfilled in their relationship or feeling misunderstood. Uh, the kids are driving them crazy and their, their boss, uh, you know, has added to their to-do list, <laughs> okay? So they're coming in with a fair amount of stress, anxiety, and it's happening every day. The first thing I'm going to teach that person to do is to breathe more fully. I'm going to teach them the reset breath to be able to manage, uh, you know, tense moments during their life. If they're stabilized enough and they're really, uh, you know, they already have kind of like a predilection to do self care things like exercise or yoga or whatever, I'll teach them the coherent breath, right? And this might happen within the first session. Then I begin to introduce this idea of using breath as therapy. And so there's really a demarcation point. And this is what, um, like this is what I'm doing with psychotherapists. Like I'll go back to Washington to present at creativity day in the psychotherapy network or conference. And the, so there are techniques that help you de-stress integrate. Um, There's another one that I call a reset, relax and recenter breath. There's a number of these different things that are kind of like stop the bleeding. Then there's this technique of closing the gap at the bottom of the breath in a circular fashion, which I call somatic breath therapy. It came out of the 70s as rebirthing uh, breath work or holotropic breath work. And what it does is really help to go into that subconscious place. In other words, to work at the deeper level of what's sort of making the person so hypervigilant or hypersensitive in the first place. This is going to depend on lots of different factors and what I might do in a first session after getting their bio and finding out kind of how they orient to themselves and their body, um, what their breath looks like, I might start with them laying on a sort of a, a mat elevated and doing a nostril connected breath exercise that then begins, they begin to feel this deeper sense of somatic awareness. A lot of people who are very stressed are really not in their bodies. They're kind of hovering around their physiology a lot. So with bringing awareness to the breath and bringing in this connected breath, a little more chi, they begin to feel themselves in ways that they haven't even felt before. That might be enough. Again, for somebody that's maybe very dysregulated um, and they're, you know, having a hard time just functioning, uh, I might not do that the first session. But generally, what most people are looking for are techniques to stop the bleeding, if you will, and then this deeper technique to go in. In order to do this, um, to do a therapeutic or what I call somatic breath therapy, I've got to work with awareness, I have to work with technique, and I have to work with relationality. These are the three foundational principles, and the relationality is basically to create a safe therapeutic environment because we know from trauma work that unless a person is feeling safe, and they might not be conscious or that they're feeling unsafe, for example, but unless they feel somatically safe, all the technique in the world isn't gonna make a difference. So safety is key. I begin to teach them some of these basic exercises and then give them an introduction. If all goes well and they begin to, they have this, breathing the circular breathing that then winds down to a very relaxed state and everything's positive and maybe there's been some emotional you know stuff that has come up but whatever does come up we always sort of seal the deal with relaxed connected breathing then we continue climbing that ladder of breath therapy and that ladder could involve slowly shifting to mouth breathing which is just more air, more chi, more prana. And, you know, for those who are yoga students, the sort of the negative effects of breathing in and out of your mouth are more than compensated by the energetic effects. And then we set an intention, because like I was saying before, where you put awareness, breath energy flows. So let's say one of the issues is, you know, I'm afraid, I, I really haven't forgiven my mother and I'm afraid I'm a terrible mother with my kids for example so we might go into that core belief of you know I'm a bad mother and what you know what the mind has done to sort of support that in and probably go back in time to the place where certain sort of from the cognitive dissonance theory place certain uh, beliefs were adopted to get through a difficult time like mom's upset mom's angry she doesn't really have me it must have been something that i did right and is as sort of you know bizarre as that may be you would be you probably wouldn't be surprised at how many people are living with that subconscious interiority of false beliefs when you breathe you bring awareness to that So I'm using the body, I'm using energetic techniques, I'm midwifing the breath, and also midwifing the emotional body. So I might say something like, you know, it's safe to let go, or it's not your fault. Suggestive uh, affirmations or phrases like this, that in that sort of deeper activated state of the breath, suddenly, you know, the person I'm working with goes, you know, let's say has an epiphany. You're right. It's not my fault. She was, you know, her dad committed suicide when she was a kid and she's, you know, this was her issue, not mine. And and then breathe, 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 breathe to a state of relaxation. These are uninquired beliefs. Beliefs are thoughts that have gone south, have gone really deeply into the body and often are underpinning how a person lives their entire life. And they have never been inquired. They've never been questioned. And they've never been brought into the kind of consciousness of the adult thinking woman who's laying in front of me. It's like, wow, that was a six-year-old belief. So what happens is with this sort of activation state, the body becomes much more suggestible the emotions become more present and really all i'm guiding is to create a balance of activation between the emotional body and the breath body the the breath and call a balance of activation and after that the inner healer whatever you want to call it knows what to do it's like my job isn't to fix anything it's just to increase sort of put the spotlight on the basement, (laughs) you know? It's like the basement stairs to most people is broken, there's no light switch, or the bulb is missing, or there's all kinds of moldy evil things down there. And my job is to just put the lights in and to rebuild the steps. And then it's your job to sort of cart the boxes out and put them into recycling, so to speak. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. It's a very powerful tool and it takes, you know, most international trainings, it's three years. And I would have to concur that that's really what it takes um, to really begin to understand uh, how to create safety, how to create a healthy therapeutic relationship. And also because I've done the work myself, I understand from the inside out, what's probably happening for the person in the middle of a breath session. And in last but not least, my conversations with some of the leading trauma treatment people, um, you know, like Bessel van der Kolk, when he said, you know, how come more of you aren't out there? I said, well, it's, you know, it's kind of really simple. Because the body has an empathetic, energetic communication going on with the therapist's body. And if the therapist hasn't done their homework, then they might be saying, good, good. Yeah, you can be free. You don't have to be afraid of this anymore. You can stand up and say what you need to say. Ouch, you stepped on my toe, or get off me, or whatever else. But let's say the therapist is a survivor himself, or herself, and their body is like, okay, breathe, that's it. Breathe, you're doing good. (laughs) That client, is not, the client's body is not gonna believe me. But I hold, my only job is to hold the highest vision of the greatest version of that person. And because I know that I've been back to my childhood dozens of times, I've had these epiphanies that have literally changed my life, I know that it's possible and therefore you can do it too. And that's kind of the, you know, it's one of the, the challenges is how are we going to get our therapists to do somatic therapy, which they all think, you know, we all are starting to realize you got to engage the body, number one. And number two, how are you going to have your own channel clear?
0: Thank you for that, Jeremy. Yeah. We have actually one more time for one more question. Okay. And I would love to, you know, Erin uh, has had her hand up
2: And have a breath worker myself for years. Yeah. And yeah. I never connected the, the understanding between open, you know, the mouth and the nostril. Yeah. Um, and I actually just took a leap of faith and started my own coaching business. So thanks to Reggie's awesome. Yeah. Cool. I took a leap, a breath of wellness, we're doing it. Um, yeah. I'm starting to teach people in Annapolis, Maryland.
0: Yeah, um, how yeah. Jeremy, yeah. we have actually one more time for one more question. Okay. And I would love to, you know, Erin has had her hand up. And have a breath worker myself for years.
2: Yeah. And yeah. I never connected the the understanding between open, you know, the mouth and the nostril. Yep. Um, and I actually just took a leap of faith and started my own coaching business. So thanks to Reggie's awesome. Yeah. School, cool. I took a leap, a breath of wellness. We're doing it. Um, yeah. I'm starting to teach people in Annapolis, Maryland yep. um, how yep. to breathe. And so your information about you know the the coherent and the um the little bit of techniques we did help is helping me to be able to because i've been breathing with jessica for so long that i just and it's really sometimes hard to remember to go back to addition and subtraction
1: yeah yeah
2: walk somebody through who's like what Um, yeah yeah thank you for that and and you help me to understand the the nose and the mouth breathing because we do we get so much more energy and power through that
1: yeah 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 and there's thank you awesome and uh, are you going to be at the conference
2: no unfortunately oh, not okay. i'm hopefully next year i will be there okay. I'm, I'm in the back of the house this year so i'm making okay. doing all the logistics for her
1: well thank you yeah there's even something there's a lot of every every body part tells a story and some body parts are really jam-packed with those stories. Mm-hmm. And the jaw is yeah. and the throat is one of those body parts. Um, there's a, a study that was done where someone was teaching hypnosis and sort of how to do self-hypnosis. And the only thing this person did differently to be able to, it was a, he was plugged into a neurofeedback machine. And the only thing he did differently that able, was able to get into this deeper brainwave pattern was to open his jaw. Okay. Yeah. And there's something about the jaw and the brainwave pattern. So if you're like this, you know, I feel fine. I'm really, Aaron, I'm great. I'm doing good. Okay. That we know this, we see this in people's faces like this, or we clench, we have TMJ, whatnot mm-hmm. that, even if you are breathing nostrally, doing any pranayama or exercise, breath exercise, relax the jaw. It changes the brainwave pattern. Now, here's the other hint that you can probably go with and research yourself. The jaw is connected to the pelvis, and the mouth is often connected to the cervix. My wife was a midwife, and I've been at lots of births. And if you're giving birth, open your mouth, ah, right. There's a direct connection here. So if you think about, you know, where most of our trauma takes place, especially in this culture, first and second chakra, and, and that's in the pelvic region, you see, when I have someone open up their mouth, and it could, one woman took a year of sessions, before she was able to open her mouth. And what I guide people to do, if you're gonna do it, take these two fingers and slide them between your teeth. You slide your teeth to the edge of your nails that's about how open your mouth should be when you breathe because that's the distance that adjusts to your fingers that changes the physiology and it allows for a freer energy flow in the alimentary canal in the pelvis it, it's really quite amazing and sometimes just that is all that you need okay
2: Beautiful. yeah thank you
1: yeah, you're welcome. Great question. Yeah.
0: Good question. Yeah. yeah thank you for that, Aaron. And then Jeremy, uh, thank you for the, you know, the, the, the wonderful answers to these questions as well. So what I'd like to do to bring this to a close now, um, first of all, I just, you know, I want to say thank you to, 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 Joan and Aaron and Lois, and Lighty, and there was somebody named, um, Mary uh, who was on here for a while and she disappeared. I am not sure who that it was David, <laughs> as well, who is, uh, Care of the things behind the scenes for us, but uh, you know, and then more specifically, Jeremy, to you for you know giving us a chunk of the end of your day. Um, so so a deep bow of gratitude to Jeremy Yost, and I I would recommend that you know, all of you you know take your fingers and at least do the walking to powerofbreath.com, dot com, which is the website, and if you see some of the photographs of, uh, of his 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 place in in Spofford and where you can stay if you go there. Even if you don't want to do breath work, it's just really, really attractive. <laughs> uh, but, I, but also go to the website because there are some uh, from some free downloads there. I got some information from the site myself and uh, just see what what's going on with, uh, with Jeremy's own work with people that he, his training programs. There's also a directory of people he has trained if you're looking for um, somebody to do this work with. So Jeremy, Again, thank you very much. You're welcome, Reggie. Thank you. Yeah. And so I'd also like to remind you that this is, uh, you know, a, a kind of a gift from uh, Teliosis Institute where we're fortunate enough to have some wonderful people who join us for an hour or in this case, an, almost an hour and a half um, to share their expertise with us. Uh, in November, we'll be joined this November 11th by Louis Mel Madrona, who will be dealing with uh, narrative medicine and talking about narrative medicine. And in December we have uh, December second, we're gonna have a treat with uh, Robert Keegan, um, you know, Harvard's own, you know, the, the developer of subject object theory and um he's gonna you know basically present on his immunity to change as as it applies to weight loss in, in the new book he has out with Lisa Leahy. Yeah. So um it's just really some cool stuff happening here. So with that I, I have to say this I guess in in order to to, to bring us to a close, we, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. So so Jeremy, if you could, David made you host, um, because he got kicked out. Go down to the um yeah. to participants. If you could just, you know, right click and allow you to make him host again, we can actually get off here and stop the recording.
2: Okay. <laughs>